Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder GameBridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? In the season's worst conditions, winter tires are a game changer. They elevate traction, control, and confidence. They sell only the best, like the full line of Kumo tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to your one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. We bring on now, if I can continue to say it, our guy uh, who I have grown to really enjoy reading online, but also, more importantly, I've grown to really enjoy the column now that he is writing on Outkick where he puts together the best and worst of sports predictions At Old Takes Exposed, I'd encourage you to go follow him. I just tweeted out the link to his account on Twitter. He's Fred Siegel, and he used to be a practicing attorney full-time, and I believe he has now given that up. Is that true, Fred? Yes, that's true, except uh, I am one practicing attorney for two more days. Two more days. Yeah, yeah. All right, so I used to be a full-time practicing attorney, and I was able at some point – to get out of the practice of law. One of the things that people don't understand if they aren't lawyers is that every lawyer I just about that I've ever met is trying to find something to do other than practice law. Has that been your experience, Fred? Most of them. I, I, funny, things, funny story, but I had about six people come into my office and tell me how jealous they are that I'm doing this yes. and leaving the practice. There, there's a few that really love it, and those people crush. Yes, they kill it because they're they like it as much as we like sports and and they're not looking at the clock like all that. the time thinking my god this job is awful i always say if you can find a job where you don't look at the clock at all that's the job you can do and if you can make a living doing it that's even better and if you're a lawyer who doesn't worry about the clock i mean obviously everybody has the billable hour to hit but there are some people out there who just absolutely love the nitty-gritty of practicing law and for those people they are basically able to dominate because they're getting to do that what they love more than anything 
but most of us are looking for a way not to have to practice law. I'm, I'm going to say 80%. Yeah. What kind of law did you practice? Healthcare transactions. <laughs> oh, wow. That's sexy. So healthcare <laughs> transactional law. All right. So it, as part of being a healthcare transactional lawyer, you also became active on social media. When did you start your Twitter account, Old Takes Exposed, and what was kind of the moment where you thought, yeah, this thing is maybe potentially going to do well? Well, I started it in Thanksgiving time, 2015, and immediately it started blowing up. Maybe the first week I started doing it, somebody picked it up from local radio and just spread it out, and that started the whole thing. And then two months later, Sports Illustrated wrote something on it, and it blew up. It, it, I had 2,500 followers, and then it went to like 15,000 that day. So it, it, I knew it was big because the concept was kind of foreign to everybody. And it was something that they, people really enjoy seeing people like you and all the other uh, radio hosts and journalists um, fall on their face sometimes, I would say. Yeah, there's no doubt about that in general. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and so you started chronicling these. Now you're writing a column, by the way, I'd encourage people to go follow your Twitter handle at old takes exposed. You're also now writing for outkick. What made you feel comfortable saying, I'm going to try to make a living, make a go at this full time. Well, I figured I have to give it a chance Clay, because I wasn't giving it enough. Uh, I wasn't giving it enough attention and I started not giving my job as much attention. And it just wasn't fair to both. And I figured I'm going to do what I want to do. I would have done it a lot earlier, but it all, this all started when I, had, I, I already have a family. So it's a lot harder to transition. Cause I'm so let me, let me, pa- let me pause you there. What's your family situation? I have a wife, and I have a 7-year-old son and a 5-year-old daughter. All right, so you got a and wife and two kids, 7 and under. So when you sit down with your wife and you say, Babe, I've got this idea now. <laughs> I am going to abandon the practice of law. You know, I'm a healthcare attorney. There's always going to be the need for healthcare attorneys. But instead of doing that, I'm going to focus on my passion, which is holding people accountable for their stupid sports opinions. <laughs> and I'm going to make a living doing that. What did your wife say? Well, I told her this like I told her this exact conversation about a year ago. She laughed in my face, but I consistently pushed and pushed and pushed for about a year to get this to happen. But it, I, I think she's starting to understand how important it is to do what you want to do in your life. And she thinks she's understanding how important that's going to be, even if they were going to take a, a monetary hit, hopefully not for very long. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. It's interesting in that respect. I always tell people this, um, when I abandoned the practice of law, before I did it, I wrote the book Dixieland delight about going around to at the time, all 12 sec football stadiums. And um, I told my wife the idea. I said, hey, I'm not going to practice law this fall. Instead, full-time anyway, instead I'm going to go around to uh, every SEC football game. And to her defense, uh, eternal credit, my wife's response to that idea was, what about the cocktail party? Meaning, what, you know, I said I was going to go around to all 12 campus stadiums, and her thought was, what about Georgia, Florida, which isn't played on a campus uh, what are you going to do about that game? And I, I think, again, that's to her eternal credit because she supported me in taking a pretty substantial risk. And there are a lot of wives and husbands, frankly, out there 
that aren't necessarily supportive of their wives or their husbands or their spouses or brothers, sisters, whoever it is, when they decide to take a, a big risk. And so for you, um, this would, I think, for a lot of people out there listening, they think, oh, this is crazy. A lawyer is going to leave the practice of law to try to make a living in the world of sports media. I've done it, and I make a much better living probably than I would as an attorney. And I love what I do, more importantly. Now you're trying to do it as well. I think this is an interesting uh, you know, challenge. I always tell people out there who listen to this show in the morning, take risks. The worst thing you have to do, if this thing totally blew up on you, it's not like you couldn't go back to being a healthcare attorney. Well, I'm never going back, Clay. <laughs> well, you can put that down. <laughs> yes. But you, know, you have a law degree. You can make a living life. as a lawyer, right? Like if everything else blows up. Anyone, any husbands and wives listening out there, let uh, your spouse take the risk because they'll be much happier no matter what. Yeah, no, don't I don't think they what they do. Because when they come home every day and they're miserable, that, that affects you and your family. There's no doubt at all about that. All right, so what are you doing with the column now? You've expanded. I'm excited to have you writing it out, Kick. What's the goal of the column? Well, the column is every week, Wednesday, I'm aggregating a lot of the things that I've found throughout the week uh, related to predictions, bad predictions, good predictions, and also anything that's happened within the news, I could find maybe some great predictions or anecdotes on uh, on things that happened a long time in the past related to that. So it just it's like a hodgepodge. You put it all together, and I think it makes for great, great content once a week um, that people are going to want to see. And, uh, you know, I'm tinkering with the format a little bit, but I think, you know, each time it's going to get a little bit easier to read, and it's just something that I think everyone's going to enjoy. And I, I hope to continue writing a lot more than just that um, on OutKick, uh, especially related to things that happen in sports. Maybe one day something happens, a coach gets fired, and I could write all the great things that people said about that coach two years prior. Yeah, no, and, I but, love this. And, and by the way, it also works in theory for history and anything else too, right? Because I saw us get tagged either yesterday or the day before uh, somebody came out and was like, the car is just a fad, right? Like somebody yeah. sent us a textbook where there was a quote uh, from a very successful guy who was like, I'm not going to loan any money to you, you know, like the Ford company, I think. He's like, the car's just a fad. <laughs> Nobody's ever going to give up on a horse. Yeah, oh yeah, there's great stuff. I found stuff in my old newspaper uh, column, my old newspaper archives. I found one that said uh, in like 1987, some guy from a food, food distribution company said, home delivery is a fad. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> and there's other ones about people saying the internet's not going to work in, in like 1995. Yes. Stuff like that. It's, it's great. It's good for politics. I, I kind of keep it off my feed, but I'm considering maybe starting a separate feed just for politics. Yeah, I would do that if I were you. I'd write about it all. <laughs> all right. So I want to get your legal opinion on this. Uh, we, we talked about this at the start of the show. The idea that, Rod, that Roger Goodell and the NFL owners – are seeking reimbursement from uh, from Jerry Jones for legal cost, and the reports have been, which I just can't buy on buy this, that one they are seeking to hold Roger Goodell responsible for the Ezekiel Elliott appeal, which seems crazy to me, and that two that they have somehow two million dollars in legal fees that they've accrued. Uh, do you agree with me that this is more about sending a message to Jerry Jones than it is recouping the cost of the legal fees? Without question, what they're doing is 
is making sure they they want it to say that he's finding they're finding they want it to come out that they're finding Jerry Jones two million, and they want it to be something that's that that's the headline. The other part is uh, is just an excuse to to justify what they're doing, but they want to show that look these people aren't going to push us around, and Jerry Jones is the ultimate in pushing. Roger Goodell around. So, and at $2 million in legal fees seems a little high. It seems <laughs> insanely high. But, but even when you break that out among the 31 other owners that would have to be paying that, it's only like $65,000 each. So it's not as if this is some massive amount. I think they're trying to send a message to Jerry Jones about what they feel like when dissent is brooked. And I asked this question too. You probably agree with me. A lot of getting highly paid when you become like a CEO or a president of a company or anything else is effectively you're being paid for your judgment. That is, you can sit and look at multiple arguments and you can make the right one for the direction of the company. And I ask this question, has Roger Goodell been a good commissioner? It's the poll question that's up right now. And the, the results actually are really kind of surprising to me. 7,000 people have voted in the first hour. 85% of people are saying that Roger Goodell has not been a good NFL commissioner. That's a huge percentage. Do you agree with that? Has Goodell been a good commissioner? No, only because he's so inconsistent. The, the consistency is the most important thing that you could have. And everything that he does is inconsistent with the decision he previously made. So it's impossible to know what he's going to do and impossible to know what his intentions behind the things that he's going to do. And in that regard, it's just terrible. But uh, I'm not surprised at all that it's 85%. I would have thought you, it would have been 95. <laughs> do you think that, you could he do has the worst reputation? Do you think you could do Roger Goodell's job? Uh, yeah. Well, hmm. that's a tough one. I, I think that I could do it. I think that I could have more consistency doing it. Yeah. I mean, my argument <laughs> is that I could do as good or better job than Roger Goodell. And if I believe that, then I think it's crazy that he's going to make $200 million over the next five years. All right. What were the most ridiculous? We're talking to Fred Siegel. He's the He runs the At Old Takes Exposed. He also writes every Wednesday on OutKick and hopefully even more than that. Uh, as he moves into his new career as a sports media prognosticator or chronicler. Uh, what were the worst takes that you saw in the last week? Well, we had last night Skip Bayless uh, got dunked on by New Orleans Pelicans Twitter feed because like five days ago he said that Anthony Davis is the most overrated player in the <laughs> NBA. Since then, Anthony Davis has just absolutely gone off. I think last night he had 50 points. First, yes. uh, uh, he had about 40 points um, the first game, and he, I think he had—he's averaging about 40 points per game, Anthony Davis, uh, since that exact tweet from Skip Bayless. And then later in that day, after last night after they scored 50, the New Orleans Pelicans account wrote, "Look at the most overrated player in the NBA right here," and posted a picture of Anthony Davis. Did they tag Skip Bayless in it? Uh, I don't think they tagged him. Okay, tagged you got to tag him in it to get full credit. <laughs> uh, what about uh, what else has been out there? Well, there's also uh, I, I did notice last night that Jalen Ramsey. I posted a pic, uh, video of him saying that they're going to win the Super Bowl the second that they lost. 
to the Patriots because he said that after they won against Pittsburgh, he said in his uh, in the stadium he told everybody that the Jaguars are going to win the Super Bowl, and they didn't. And I posted it, and he blocked me. Oh wow! So pretty pretty sensitive from uh, Jalen Ramsey. What's the general response from people to uh, to your column? Like, are people? Uh, by and large, in the media and the fans and everybody else out there who's got these predictions, are they generally favorable or is it negative? Now it's starting to be favorable. Or they tolerate it because they know what's going to happen if they say something that's wrong or they get mad. Then I'm going to retweet that, and then everybody's going to go after them and call them thin-skinned and things like that. And it just makes them look petty. So what they'll do is they'll basically essentially uh, accept it. A lot of people in the media now will tag me to their old takes that are wrong to get ahead of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, here, is, here is the best one you had of the last week. This was up last week on OutKick. Uh, Tim Brewster, who is now an assistant coach under <laughs> Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M, last year in July he said, Jimbo dead right. The ACC is the best football conference in the nation. Hashtag facts. Here, uh, he said last week, let's keep it real. The greatest stage in college football is the hashtag SEC. Hashtag nothing but facts. <laughs> I love this. Does he? you think that he didn't remember that prior tweet? Or is he just a total like shill for whichever conference employs him? I think it's number two. I just don't think he cares. I think he's just trying to... Uh, he, he's a recruiter, so he's all he's doing is recruiting. I think all he's wired to do is recruit. He probably doesn't think about anything else besides recruiting, and he's just 24 hours a day doing things about recruiting, and he just doesn't care. He doesn't here is care. another Here is another great one. Michael Jordan turned 55 years old <laughs> last week, and uh, here are some old quotes about Michael Jordan. In November of 1987, the Chicago Sun-Times asked readers – if the Bulls were, quote, good enough to win the NBA title. One fan responded, yes, if they trade Michael Jordan for Larry Bird straight up, then the Bulls would have a team player who could lead them to the championship. Also, in the 1984 draft, Portland picked Sam Bowie with the second pick, uh, allowing Chicago to snag Jordan third. Is that true? Who was that? Was Ewing the number one overall pick? No, Akeem Olajuwon was the number Akeem one Akeem Olajuwon. Pick. All right. By Houston. Uh, yeah, so that was a great pick, obviously, for the Rockets, too. The Trailblazers ex- uh, GM explained why they decided to take Sam Bowie. He's the best player available at the position where we have the biggest need. Centers are very difficult to find. Also, Snapper Jones, who used to be great with Bill Walton back in the day on those, I think it was NBC broadcast, a yep, couple of yep. months into the 1984 basketball season, had this question. Hey, <laughs> Michael Jordan might very well be a better talent than Blazers guard Jim Paxson. So what? How much better? I mean, that's unbelievable. Like, uh, that, that people, you go back and you can find the negative things people said about Michael Jordan at the draft. That's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. And the crazy thing is, everybody knew Michael Jordan was going to be great, even the Blazers GM. But he picked Sam Bowie because of position of need. And he even admitted that Bowie wasn't as good of a player. It was a, it was a terrible pick. It was, it was one of the worst decisions you could have made. 
And now it, people will understand why you don't pick position of need anymore. You pick best player available. Yeah, no, that's outstanding. Uh, Fred Siegel, outstanding as always. We're going to try to get you on regularly. I'd encourage all of you to go follow the Old Takes Exposed Twitter account. You can find it. I just tweeted it out at mine, at Clay Travis. Fred, thanks, my man. Thank you. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Joined now by Petros Papadakis, AM570 Sports at Petros and Money as he joins us every single Tuesday. And Petros, I want to start with this. I was just doing that Bruce Willis movie ad. I'll tell you. Yeah, Bruno Willis, I heard you. Yeah, when I got out um, to L.A., one of the first things that impressed me was, you know, like every time you visit Fox, the first time you're there, they're like, oh, that's the old diehard, you know, building. That's where the Nakamoto Towers uh, there on uh, Avenue of the Stars um, and near the intersection of Pico and Motor yeah, where the Fox it, it, lot is. It's called Universal. It's called Century City. Universal Century, City yes. is by Universal Studios. Century City is where the uh, Nakam- Nakamoto Towers is. I think it was Nakamoto, yes. So I want to ask you this, though. I was Nakatomi. with Nakatomi, Nakatomi Tower. Yes. Mr. So I was Nakatomi who emigrated through San Pedro, California. Yes, Nakatomi Tower. So I was with one of the young Fox PAs and she was she had just started and this is not going to be like a me too story, don't get worried. Uh and we're driving by and I was like, "By the way, you know, that's the Nakatomi Tower." And she was like, "Okay." And I was like, "You know, the, the, for the movie Die Hard, and and, yeah. and 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 she was like, okay, and I was like, have you have you ever seen Die Hard? And she was like, no. And I was like, have you ever heard of the movie Die Hard? And she was like, no. I think right then and there, she probably should have been fired because I mean, she might have been twenty two years old, but is that incon- is is it as inconceivable to you? that a 22-year-old in today's society would not ever have heard of either the Nakatomi Tower or at least known of the movie Die Hard. Most of them don't know anything. Isn't that unbelievable, though? No, but it's it's not unbelievable because I have interns. I have, uh, like, two or three new interns every couple months, and none of them know anything. And it's weird because when I was a kid, I was aware of music that was created long before I was born. I was aware of movies and shows, and that's just what my parents showed me. But I think millennials suck, A. Uh, They're not going to know what Death Wish is. I promise you that. If they don't know Bruno Willis, how the hell are they going to know Charles Bronson? He's not even with us anymore. Yeah. So millennials are terrible. And then the second part of it is, all they do is watch, like, YouTubers and, like, PewDiePie and, and Jake and Luke Paul and all these other idiots. It is that's- amazing. It is amazing, by the way, because that's what my – so, first of all, my kids are going to be familiar with 1980s-era movies because I've made them watch them all. So, like, the Karate Kid movies, Goonies, Star Wars, like, all these and that's things. that's where I get mad. That's yeah. where I get mad. I don't expect kids to know Gone with the Wind or uh, Searching for Mr. Goodbar – or stuff like that, but I do expect them to know Karate Kid, Karate Kid Part Two, yeah, with oh yeah. Tato. Yes. I expect them. I expect them to know about Goonies, just like you said. Sixteen Candles, Pretty in oh, Pink. Yeah. You know, these are essentials. This is like, you know, keeping To Kill a Mockingbird on, on the reading list. This is important stuff. 
which, by the way, Duluth, Minnesota, good job. You have taken To Kill a Mockingbird off of your reading list, along with Huckleberry Finn, because there are words that make people uncomfortable in those books. This is the real life that we live in. But Die Hard, like, I don't even know how you could have missed Die Hard on television. It's such a good movie. The minute that it comes on, but I'm engrossed. Said, I can't look away. You, you just said something that, and, and look, I'm not a sociologist, although I did take I, I wrote a lot of papers for my ex-girlfriend who was a sociology major. This is, by the way, do you think you're the only USC athlete to ever have written papers for someone else as opposed to have papers <laughs> written for you? I, I mean, I'm not kidding about that. Do you think that Leinert was out there grinding away on, his, on, his, on somebody else's paper? Or do you think that you uh, – I know a lot of these USC guys now, but through you and also through, through Fox, do you think Reggie Bush was out there burning the midnight oil, writing girlfriend's papers? I bet you're the only USC football player in the history of the program to have written papers for regular students as opposed to having papers written for you. I, I mean, I, I I can't deny it. I'm, I'm I think I'm the only one that was an English uh, American lit major, also. But that's not the point here, Clay. The point. Sorry, is, sorry for distracting you, said, you. It's fine. The and also imputing, said, by the way, the great academic standards of uh, of, of USC athletics. It used to be they just checked your pulse, but now they have standards. <laughs> now, I, all I'm saying, Clay, is the word you said was television. Yeah. And, you know, how could they miss it on television? They don't watch television. My son is six years old. You know what he does? He watches people play with toys. Oh, it's amazing. Owns, yes. But he watches somebody play, to- I don't play get with it. it on YouTube. So he watches some other dad and son yes. play with a toy that he owns that he could play with with his dad, who's right there, but he chooses. I mean, they're not going to know what the hell Die Hard is. That's my point. It is is amazing. Yeah, I know every generation thinks the next generation, like, makes strange decisions, but I got to tell you, the fact that my kids watch other kids play with toys and or watch other kids play video games instead of playing the video games themselves is mind-blowing to me. Like, I don't understand how you and, – and maybe their argument is, oh, I'm learning how to do new things, but they watch somebody else play Minecraft. I'm like, I, I don't understand your worldview. Now, I will say this from a sports perspective. My middle kid, the seven-year-old, is a huge sports fan, and one thing that YouTube is amazing for, Petros, is it allows you to experience all these games that you never heard – that you've heard about but never seen. So, like, they'll go back in time and they'll be like, Dad, why did Alabama make this decision in the 1992 national title game against Miami? Because they've seen all the highlights from it, right? It's amazing to me the degree, or like my seven-year-old's a huge Odell Beckham Jr. fan, and he's watched all of his LSU highlights, and he'll ask me questions about specific plays that happened in LSU SEC games from years ago. And for us... We didn't have that ability. Like People could talk about Pistol Pete Maravich when I was growing up, but I had no idea what he could do. I can go back now no, and watch it on to YouTube. Buy, yeah, you'd have to buy a VHS tape or, or, or yeah. wait for it to come up uh, on some weird highlight show. And, and that, is, that is the difference with our, with our society. Now, again, this is the most old man yells at cloud segment we ever have done. I, I was ready yes. to answer questions about Lonzo Ball. But it is true that if you want the information now, there is 
all of it available, almost too much, a dearth of it available. Like when I was a kid, Clay, you know I'm really into reggae and obscure Jamaican music and reggae dance hall. Yes. You know, a lot of the information I gathered and the information I thought was true over the years and what people would tell me, and I was really interested in it. I would ask people, I would read, I'd, I'd get magazines, but I look back now, and half that information was false yep. or yep. somehow backward. And I just, there was no, and I would have dove into it if I could, but the information just wasn't available to you. Now, there's so much information, so you don't get stuck watching the same thing we all watched, like different strokes or, or any of these other shows that we're all connected by. People aren't connected by those things anymore. They go off into their own rabbit holes, Clay. You know what's interesting about that? I was talking about this with my wife. We were talking about things that we did that were normal, everyday things that will seem insane to our kids and or already do. One you of know them what it is? is it's, it's, it's running around outside. Now yeah. people, they don't let their kids go outside because they think somebody's going to snatch their kids it's up true. Or, or shoot their kid or their kid's going to get hit by a car. You know, we used to be outside all day. I mean, no one cared what we did. Or even ride the bus home. Like, I like I rode the bus home <laughs> at nine years old, got out of the bus, walked home, unlocked the door, and I was home by myself for a couple hours. Nine, ten years old, right? Like if Calvin we did from that Calvin now, and Hobbs. Yeah, if we did that now, I feel like they would lead me out of my house in handcuffs for letting my 10-year-old do that. Like, the idea that you would let a kid get on a bus, ride home, walk all the way up to his house, unlock the door, and then be there by himself, I really think they would lead me away in handcuffs. But we were talking about the card catalog. I was trying to think about how I would explain to my kids what the card catalog was and why you had to learn how to use it. Remember the card catalog? Everybody had them in their old school libraries back in elementary school and high school and everything you're else. Talking, you're talking about the Dewey Decimal System. Yes, the Dewey Decimal System is of itself. Like, How do you explain to a kid that has the internet and believes and is, understands it to be true that you can look up anything ever in the history of the world basically on your phone now how the Dewey Decimal System worked? How are you going to explain a library to them? Oh, but at least the library, they understand that because every now and then we'll go to the library and they have like Thomas the Train trains and they have all the books there. Like, I think that's easier to explain than the Dewey Decimal System. Yeah, how are you going to explain uh, Dad's encyclopedia collection? <laughs> yeah, right? Like, But you're right. We have so much more access to information than we ever have before. But the Dewey Decimal System, I'm trying to think, like, even in sports, like, I, I already tried to to my kids, and they were like, what? You know, because my kids are so young, they're only going to remember a college football playoff. And they were looking up some of these old the old things, and they were like, "Dad, how did there how did three teams win the title in 1978?" I was like, "Well, there used to be, you know, like all these poll." They're like, "What? Like try to explain college football to a kid who's grown up only with the playoff? The idea of the BCS is so complicated to explain. They had these core tiles in the computer system which conflicted with the human polls." And then they created this algorithm, and they're like, what are you talking about, Dad? I'm like, well, that's how we picked the champion in college football. Well, here's how dumb I was when I was a kid. At USC, they had a big list of all the Rose Bowls ever played or whatever. 
and I would just stare at this board and say, how the hell did Temple ever play in a Rose Bowl? Right. <laughs> I mean, but you're right. Uh, a lot of things have changed, and I think you know, you're probably going to explain to your youngest that there used to be a four-team playoff. Uh, right. We're starting to sound pretty old here, Clay. I yeah, mean, I know. I'm starting to feel... I'm starting to feel. I, I got up at 4:50 this morning on the West Coast. I'm starting to feel like a really, uh, a real uh, AARP candidate here, brother. All right, so let's go. Let's be hip. Let's be. Uh, let's be with it. Let's be groovy. Let's be young. Um, let's be relevant. Let's talk about Cardi B. <laughs> I don't even. I, I know roughly some things about Cardi B, but I do know that because you're on, we have to talk about the Ball family and Lonzo Ball. Uh, Lonzo Ball had a good game last night, right? Yeah, yeah, the Lakers are the Lakers are okay. I mean, they have the Lakers have the best player in the world. Do you know what his name is, Clay? Um, the best player in the world. Uh, no, I don't know. I mean, the best player in the world is LeBron James, but I don't think that's where you're going. No, it's not, Clay. Do you care to guess again for who the best player in the world is? Um, the best player in the world uh, that the Lakers have, uh, Lonzo Ball. No. LeVar Ball? No, you can order the jersey at NBA.com and put whatever number you want on it, and that number would be cap space. Ah, that is a good, that's a good answer. There is a cap good answer. Cap space is the best player in the world because nobody knows what cap space can and can't do. Cap space can back you down. He can play all five positions. He's the ultimate hybrid. Cap space can shoot the three. He can dunk. He's a high flyer. He's the best defender in the league. Cap space uh, leads the league in steals. Uh, cap space never says anything wrong. Uh, cap space is the biggest star that ever was, Clay. And Lonzo Ball last night only played 24 minutes, right? Uh, but he had 13, 7, and 5. Here's the big question. You're tying in with that cap space. If the Lakers get LeBron James to legitimately consider them, is he going to want to play with Lonzo Ball, or is he going to get Lonzo Ball traded? You know, I asked that for a long time, and I guess the answer would be he's going to be able to do whatever he wants. You know, everybody, it doesn't matter who who is on the team or who isn't on the team or what the team is really doing. It's really what LeBron James decides. Now, you've heard it for months. You're going to hear it even more for months, and it's going to get really heated up that LeBron James uh, is going to do this. This is what LeBron wants, so this is what's going to happen. LeBron James' mom will never forgive Cleveland. I think uh, Howard Beck wrote that. Uh, I mean, it, we're, we're going to psychoanalyze this guy and make so many assumptions, just like we did the last couple times this happened, almost to the point of where nobody's going to want to turn on the radio. Uh, that being said, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter what anybody says. He's going to do wh- whatever he wants to do. And it doesn't, I don't think it matters what position the Lakers are in. If he says, you get rid of this guy, he, they will. I mean, if he says, I, I don't like this, uh, I think they'll try their best to accommodate him. And that's how powerful LeBron James is in the moment in, in sports. I, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. I, I guess it's it's okay for a player to have that power. I mean, it's d- definitely new, but it's nauseating to have to hear about over and over again. The one interesting part of this, Clay, is this. LeBron James is not bigger than the Laker brand. I mean, in the moment, LeBron, everybody wants LeBron James on their basketball team, and they're just about willing to do anything, like get rid of players just to create space so he might come. But 
LeBron James is not bigger than the Laker brand. He's not bigger than the history of the Lakers with Gail Goodwich, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Magic Johnson, you know, uh, Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, the list goes on and on. So he's not bigger than that, but he is kind of in the moment. And that convergence of those two worlds, or potential convergence, leaves everybody at risk, uh, including Lonzo Ball, whose father is a nightmare. And I think if the Lakers look back on it, even if he is a good, uh, above-average NBA rookie, uh, I think if they look back on it, they'd say that this whole thing wasn't worth it. What do you think about the college basketball recruiting crisis here? Do you care? Do you think the FBI should have been involved? Have you talked about it very much on your own show? Oh, we've talked about it, and I do I do care. I find it interesting, uh, very interesting. You're more of a legal mind, so you, you have better answers for this kind of stuff. But one of my questions, I guess, would be if this was all happening inside one state, like, let's say, Chumise uh, Metu or Boatwright were being paid uh, by a guy from California or something like that. If, if the money wasn't crossing state lines and there was no wire fraud, so to speak, the FBI would have no jurisdiction, right? It is a fascinating question. Yeah, theoretically, like, for instance, Cam Newton. If Cam Newton were paid, which I think he was, and if he were paid by somebody inside the state of Alabama – exclusively for you know that then yeah like if they're not crossing state lines it's theoretically an alabama uh violation now the fbi can get aggressive doesn't that make you wonder about you know why why this is happening you know considering you know i i know it's a stupid thing to say but considering the state of everything else you know investigative powers that seem to be pretty pretty uh devastating and swooping i know the federal cases are very important you know when people say something is a federal case you know that's a really big deal you know why is this a federal case you know why the manpower for this i guess is a question that 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 kind of creeps into my mind i think a lot of people out there would say uh, if you had to choose between the fbi following up on school shooting tips or uh or investigating college basketball players getting paid to go to class uh to go to schools um, I'd probably prefer them focus on the school shootings. I guess, but I, you know, I don't understand how the FBI works and who investigates what and, and all of that. It's probably a stupid thing for a, a, a civilian to say, I guess. But, but, but my, my, my question would be, uh, why did this start? You know, I mean, is it, it's not point shaving. It's, it's basically the underbelly of how the shoe companies, agents and college basketball have worked for decades. I'm not saying it's right. The NCAA doesn't do anything to stop it and is kind of powerless to do so. And at a lot of points, the school has, A, plausible deniability, and, two, uh, no, no real control over who, from whose family takes what you know, during the recruiting process. But I also do say you know, the FBI does investigate things that are illegal that happen. This stuff is definitely illegal. Uh, where it gets murky is, you know, it's not technically illegal to take money from somebody, you know, uh, that's offering you money. Uh, It's illegal in the eyes of the NCAA, and you have the wire fraud and the agents and people like that that are breaking their own ethics codes. But technically, other than the tax implications or something, it's not illegal 
It's actually the foundation of capitalism. To be paid to do something is the foundation of capitalism. That's why I do radio. That's why you do radio. And you do radio very well at AM570 Sports. It's Petros Papadakis. Go follow him on Twitter at Petros and Money. Good stuff as always, my man. Thanks for getting up early with us. Thank you, Clay. I hope you enjoyed your Star Wars cruise. I'll have to talk with you about the Star Wars cruise again next week. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder GameBridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep.